The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. Good morning, my friends. I'm so glad that we're together again. I'm glad that we get to celebrate and... uh the precious truths of our Savior this morning. We're going to jump off into a new sermon series called Christ Applied, and today I'm going to deal with the doctrine of justification. So if you have a Bible, we're going to, I'm going to give you a lot of Bible this morning, so I want you to mark a couple different places. We're going to be in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, and then flip over a long way over to the book of 2 Samuel. Second Samuel's an Old Testament book, should be the tenth book in the Bible, Second Samuel chapter seven. So Romans chapter three, verses twenty-one to twenty-six, and then Second Samuel chapter seven. And we'll deal with that entire entire chapter there very quickly. This is the Davidic co- uh, Davidic covenant, David's covenant, a covenant God made with David, rather. Christ applied justification. One housekeeping note that I'm excited to tell you about this morning. You have a new website. There is a new website that got launched out yesterday. I hope some of you have probably seen it. If you haven't, this has been a uh, this has been a long, a lot of a big project. Honestly, my last count, we've had approximately 22 people involved in this project. 99% of it uh, of what went into it were people that just gave of their time and energies that. Um, just freely gave of it. And so it is going to be an incredible tool for this church. The back end of it that we've been referring to, there's going to be a membership portal to that. And Juliana will be a busy lady in the next few months spearheading all of that. We're going to have logins for all of you members. We're going to have all sorts of stuff on the back end of that website. So this is an incredible tool for the church. I thank God for it. I thank God that for all of the people that gave their time on it. So don't check on that right now. (laughs) Don't be looking on that on your phone right now on that, but check it out later on today. I thank God for it. And I'm thankful that uh, I'm thankful for all the people that uh, spent time and energy in that. So um, today, justification by faith um, as part of Christ applied. Let's let's pray really quick. Father, I'm thankful to you for another week of life. I'm thankful that you've kindly brought us here together to know you, to love you more today. So strengthen us through the preaching of one of the most important aspects of our Christian faith. May we rejoice with overflowing gladness at how Christ is applied to our life if we call ourselves uh, children of God. So please draw near to this congregation. Please draw near especially to those that are wrestling with the faith, Father, this morning. Draw near to them and use these sermons to lead to a life of repentance and a life of faith in you. I pray for Pastor Greg and his work overseas. Lead him and transform him. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. So each week we're going to be preaching on these different doctrines. Today I'm going to deal with justification. I need to give one caveat to this. I am not going to be able to cover this doctrine exclusively today. There's been enough written about this doctrine, trust me, enough ink spilled about this doctrine to probably fill the walls of this building up over the last 2,000 years. There's a lot of stuff in this. So most importantly, what I want to do is I want to make it accessible to everyone in here. So there are going to be things that you wish I said. 
There are going to be things that you know that you thought I should have said. <laughs> and so I can't touch it all. My main, my main aim in all of this is I want this to be accessible to everyone in the room. Okay, I want this to be accessible to us. We can, I could take it as far, I could dry your eyeballs out for the next 35 minutes, but that's not what, I'm, what I intend to do in all of this. So what I intend to do, the way I intend to break this down is I want to do it in two parts. I'm going to give you, every week I'm going to give you some of these doctrines, justification, sanctification, preservation, glorification. These are big $6 words. These are Bible words, so they're important for us. I'm going to give you some of the truths about the doctrine, and then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you what, how I think you should apply them to your life. Because in my opinion, that's what preaching is. It's giving you truth and then giving you application. And we pray that God moves your heart in the middle of all of that. So that's, that's how it's going to break down over the next uh, four sermons on this. Justification is today. So here are the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 3. This is a central passage. I think it's probably the key passage to all of Romans. Um, scholars tend to look at it that way. Here are the words of the Apostle Paul from Romans chapter 3 and verse 21 to 26. The Apostle Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. That's an important phrase. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall." All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's present tense. And that you are, and you are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. These are important. These are beautiful words. Some of the most beautiful words in the entire Bible. It says, from whom, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. This was to show God's righteousness to us because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over the former sins he has passed over former sins. Praise God for that. And it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just. This is so good to me. He might be just and the justifier. He's just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So Paul is coming into these verses. He's laying clarity to this massive doctrine we call justification. These verses, they do a ton of things. There's a ton of things going on in these verses here. And I, we can, there's some extremely deep Christian truths that have been argued about and the church has, has been wrestling with for decades here. But, but, but most important, beyond their depth, I think Paul is giving us clarity here on that. So that's my aim this morning is to give you some clarity on these truths. There are key words in this passage that help us think about justification. Look at the text. There are key words in this passage. These words are righteousness, faith, and redemption. Those are key words in this text. So let me define justification for you really quick. I'm gonna talk about how, how these things, how I'm gonna give you how righteousness, faith, and redemption, how all this factors into everything. But look at me. This stuff, look at me. I don't, I'm just gonna be honest with you. This stuff is no joke. Justification is literally life and death. This is an important doctrine. This stuff is no joke to me. So it's literally life and death. I'm not, I'm not kidding, so listen carefully to this stuff. Justification is a judicial term. It's a legal term, okay? At, at its most, if you don't leave here hearing anything else today, hear this. At its most fundamental level, justification means that your sins are forgiven and you are declared, 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 declared. That's an important word, not made. You're declared right before God. 
If you were here a few weeks ago, Josh stood up here and told you about the Reformation. This is what the Reformation was over. He gave you this phrase that Martin Luther, this old dead guy used, he called it the sweet exchange. So justification means that your sins are forgiven and you are declared right before God. So when God closes in on you on salvation, when he regenerates you and he re, re, when he renews your heart, this is a supernatural act by God where he comes in from the outside and he restores your soul to himself. This is called conversion, okay? This is a supernatural act. It, 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 this is called conversion. And at that instant, your sins are forgiven and you're declared right before God. Look at me, this is a miracle, Justification by faith is a miracle. We sling that word around all the time. I love you, but your paper showing up this morning is not a miracle. I don't know anything about weather, so you can tell me how wrong I am afterwards, but when you, that, the hurricane that came in, when there's a low pressure system that comes and it meets a hurricane and it pushes it off the coast, every time that happens, typically, if all, there's cause and effect, that's not a miracle. Every time a low pressure system comes in and hits a hurricane, it'll push it off the coast or whatever went on with that, but this is a miracle. This is God inbreaking into your soul and grabbing your soul by the Holy Spirit and regenerating you. Justification is a Christian miracle for the child of God. It's a miracle and we rejoice in that. The ground of justification is what we'll talk about today. The details of justification. The next two sermons, this is important. I'm gonna give you a lot of information here. The next two sermons, sanctification and and preservation and glorification, those are all parts, those, are, those are all come from justification. Justification is the root, sanctification, preservation, and finally glorification come from off of that. Everything springs from this doctrine. It's so important, I want you to understand this. I don't care where I've ever been in the Christian faith, is it, 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 I, I never get over it. I never get over it in how it's, its most simple form. So here's the what, the, here's the why, what, and how of justification. We're gonna walk right through this text here. Verses 21 through 22, 23. Why do we need justification? Why do we even need this? Why does God do this for us? It's in the word righteousness. Look at verses 21 through 23 here. Paul says, but now the righteousness of God, there's that word, has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So look at the text. There's two senses of righteousness in this verse, if you look at it carefully. There's the righteousness of God, and here's an important truth for us. There's the unrighteousness of you and I. Okay, there's the righteousness of God and there's the unrighteousness of human beings, of you and I. And so why do we need justification? Because there is this issue called righteousness. <laughs> why do we need to be justified? Because we have to deal with righteousness. We have to deal with this issue, righteousness. Broadly speaking, righteousness is God's person and character. He is the very definition of what is right. You tracking with me on this? He sets the boundaries for what it means to be right. So Paul is telling us that under the banner of righteousness, the law defines what is right. God defined the law. You tracking with me on all this? And the law is so important because not only does it define God's righteousness, it defines our unrighteousness. You okay with that? I'm not okay with that, but we're broken people. The law is what condemns us. We cannot meet the standard Righteousness is an issue for you and I. 
It's why it's so important, this truth. So in other words, the law and the prophets, they tell us what the laws of God that need to be met. And so you get to the New Testament and Jesus arrives and it's not obedience to the law that makes us right. It's God's gift to you that makes you right. He had to create a way to make you right because you could not get there by the law. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when you get to the New Testament and Jesus arrives, we needed another way. Why? Because we are unrighteous and we can't get to right. We can't get right. And so God, Paul is quick to remind us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The way this phrase is, is written is that it, we live in this space in some ways. So if a man is unrighteous and God has, this is so important. I feel like everything I'm saying this morning is important. I'm so passionate about this. If a man is unrighteous and God manifests righteousness apart from the law, how did he do it? How did he manifest a way for you to be right before him apart from the law? Look at me, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So Paul is telling you here, this is the statement. For you to be made right before God, for your brokenness to be corrected, God had to provide a form of righteousness that you could obtain. He had to provide a form of righteousness that you you could obtain. This is his kindness to us. He had to provide this. He didn't have to, but he did. In order for you to be made righteous, he did. For you to be made right before God, to correct your brokenness, God had to provide. He didn't have to, but he graciously provided a form of righteousness that you could obtain. He had to provide, he provided a form of righteousness that you could obtain. How did he do this? He did this through Jesus Christ and his atoning work on the cross. This is the gospel and it's so good. It's so good. Let us rejoice in the beauty of God's righteousness manifested in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Let us rejoice in this. That's the why. Why do we need justification? The issue of righteousness. What's the cost of justification, Britt? It's like an economics professor told me one time, there's no free lunch. What he means by that is everything has a cost. What's the cost of justification, Britt? It's the redemption of Jesus Christ. Look at verses 23. Look at verses 23 and 24 here. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is where he tells us the, 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 the cost of it here. And you are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There's the price whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. What does it cost to be justified? It cost the re- Jesus Christ. Through the redemption of Jesus Christ, there's two things about this word. I wrote this down. This is so clear to me. Humans pay nothing to receive the righteousness of God. Humans pay nothing to receive the righteousness of God, but in redemption, it involves a cost on God's part. This is grace. The cost lies in the word that Paul utilizes here, propitiation. What is the cost of of righteousness to us? It's the atonement of Jesus Christ. It's so important for you to reflect upon. God took it upon himself in his own initiative to satisfy and appease his own wrath. Do you hear that? He took it on his own initiative to do this. It was by his own good pleasure. He could have have chose not to satisfy his wrath. He could have chose not to do this. Vindication from sin, it comes from the person and work of Jesus Christ. It comes from his blood. Don't ever water that truth down. 
some hard edges on the gospel. Don't ever water it down. Paul is telling us in the closing portions of this text that God is, this, God is just and he's the justifier. So God operates on both sides of this issue, so to speak. This is, this is remarkable to me. It means that God punishes sin and he grants forgiveness. The beauty's in the and. Do you see it? He punishes sin and he grants forgiveness. He didn't have to do the and. We rejoice in that. I want you to smile. If you're a child of God, smile. This is beauty to you. God punishes sin and he gives righteousness. The beauty is in the end. So what is the cost of all of this? The cost of all of this is like the German theologian uh, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he famously wrote that grace, the paraphrasing here, he says that grace is free but it's not cheap. Grace is free to you but it's not cheap. So that's the, that's the what of the cost of justification. How are we justified? We're justified by faith. How do we obtain righteousness? The righteousness that is appropriated or given to you, how do you get this righteousness? How do you get it? The answer is faith. You can't, this is what separates us from every other religion in the world. You can't earn your way to it. It's all by faith. It's a gift to you. Hear the words of faith in this text here in verse 22. Hear the words of faith in this. Paul C. tells us that the righteousness of God Righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. He didn't say work it out yourself, get good enough to get there. He says it comes through faith. Look at verse 25. Paul tells us again how righteousness is received by faith. Look at me. This is a human faith. This is your faith in Jesus Christ. How do you have human faith? This is so important. God shows you the truth. He illuminates it in your mind. He illuminates your brokenness. The light bulbs come on. You see your brokenness. You see your brokenness before a beauty, beautiful and holy God. You realize that you're in a need of another form of righteousness. You're not good enough to get to him. And that righteousness that God provides is Jesus Christ. And, he, and God also provides you the faith to believe that. This is faith that God delivers to you. Let us rejoice in the beauty of saving faith. This is all a gift to you. This is a miracle. So when God grips your soul with these truths and your heart is transformed at that instant, your sins are forgiven and you are declared right before God. Doesn't mean that your sins go away. Talk to you about that next week. You're still gonna struggle, but God looks through Jesus and sees you at that instant. That is justification at its basic sense and you should stand and rejoice before God Almighty because of it. Amen, thank you, look at me. I have no idea why God decided to do this. I have no idea why he decided to do it for me. I'm overwhelmed by it. I never get beyond hearing it. I never get tired of preaching it. However simple or complex it is, I'll never get beyond it. If you're a child of God, whatever pain or suffering you're going through, just give thanks for this. Whatever you're dealing with in your life, the most, you might be in the most painfully miserable situation of your life, but stop, and I say to you, my friends, an encouragement, stop and lay hold of the benevolent kindness of God Almighty in his unmatched grace, the doctrine of justification. Lay hold of it. It's yours. Over the next week, whatever you're going through, by the grace of God Almighty, give thanks for the doctrine of justification. If you're a child of God, it's a miracle to you. It's a miracle to you. I have no idea why God did this for me. 
I have no idea why he did this for me. I don't have any idea. I just say that give thanks because he offers righteousness that can be obtained and he willingly gave, he gave it to you to satisfy and appease his own wrath to all that can repent and confess his name. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness unto me. So what do we do with this doctrine? What's the response to justification by faith? What are you supposed to do with this? I think that we're gonna do, I, I, hope, this is, I hope this will be helpful to you. Turn over to 2 Samuel chapter seven. I'm gonna walk through this text right here. I think David, David, this is the Davidic covenant. God makes a covenant with David. God gives David some unmerited favor. It's this grace that has appeared in David's life. David, we'll talk a little bit about what that looks like. And then David falls right into a response, a prayer of response. I think this prayer that David unfolds in this chapter, he's gonna give us a little bit of an idea of how I think we ought to respond to justification by faith. We ought to respond to God's saving particular grace in your life. 2 Samuel chapter 7 um, is where we're going to be at in this. The response to the miracle of justification is just as important as understanding it. Do you understand that? I think in some ways your response to the application of Christ in your life through justification is just as important as me unfolding this truth right here. So 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel is historical narrative. That's a $6 way of saying that this, this part of the Bible tells us a story. It unfolds historical narrative. We believe this actually happened. This is God's word for us. Okay? And David is one of the many familiar people in this passage here. David is in the lineage from Adam to Jesus. David is in that lineage there, okay? That's important for us. He's a critical figure in the church in the Bible. And so leading up into this, you see that David has recently acquired the throne. Leading up to this chapter, he's recently acquired the throne. He became king in chapter 7 here. And we begin to realize what it means for David to be king. And he realizes that he's in control, So you got a guy that he realizes he's in control now. And so what does he do? What does David do? He looks out of his palace and he sees the house of God in a tent. And he says, you know what? I'm king now. (laughs) I'm going to make God a house. I'm king now and I'm going to make him a house. And so he looks at this uh, prophet Nathan in here. And he tells Nathan, he said, I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to build him a house. And Nathan does what? Nathan comes back and says some other stuff to him, but at the beginning, Nathan says, Roger that. And then Nathan goes and comes back to David. And, it, and what ensues is that God, look at me, God flips the table on David. <laughs> he lets him know who's king in all of this. So he flips the table on David. And so this is known as the Davidic covenant. There's some immense promises in this, in this section right here. So Nathan comes back to David. I'm just gonna give you the rundown on it. But Nathan comes back to David the next day. He walks up to David and he, uh, David and he basically tells him, this is a big paraphrase of the first part of this chapter. He basically tells him four things. He basically walks up to David. This is what prophets do. They tell you the truth. And so he comes up to David and he says, God brought you, I need to remind you that God brought you from nothing. You're a king here because of his grace. The second thing I need to remind you of is that God gave rest to your enemies. You didn't defeat them, God did. The third thing I need to remind you of is you're gonna die. (laughs) It's like in the middle of this. Can you imagine this? Verse 12, he reminds him, he's like, you're gonna die. You're king, but you're gonna die. And then in verse 7, 12 through 17 of this chapter, he says, this is important. God tells him, he says, I will establish my kingdom through your throne. Appreciate your help, David. Thank you for helping me get out of a tent, the house of God's a tent, but I'm gonna establish the throne of God Almighty through your kingdom. 
through your lineage. This is a big deal. So God's saying, I brought you from nothing. You're gonna die. And by the way, I'm gonna establish my kingdom through you forever. And this is unbelievable to David. This is God's unmerited favor on David's life. Look at me, David didn't earn this. This is God's grace to him. And then, then look at this. So we believe, that, let's talk a little bit about the Davidic covenant here. This is gonna be helpful. I'm going somewhere with this, so hang on with me. So the summary of the Davidic covenant is this. We believe that history is linear. That's a big way of saying that we believe there's a beginning and an end to history, okay? We believe that. As Christians, we believe that. We're not in some aimless slideshow of nothingness. There's, this is all going somewhere, okay? And so with this covenant, you have to understand that the Bible, in part, it shows us the history of the gospel. And these covenants, they're almost like these high watermarks that God uses all throughout the Bible. And it's his revelation. So they function as a number of different ways. But primarily, they stair-step us to the new and ultimate covenant that we just learned about in justification. The new covenant with Jesus Christ. So what you should understand about what God does here is there's a profundity or there's a density or there's a weight to what is occurring here with David. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. God is revealing to David the redemptive plan to him. But David's veiled. He only gets it to a certain point. David's like the rest of these people in the Old Testament. They thought maybe he'd come as a, maybe the Messiah would come this, as this political figure. He didn't anticipate Jesus coming and reclining at the table with outcast. He didn't anticipate this guy coming and healing people from sins. He didn't anticipate this guy coming being meek and humble. He didn't anticipate this guy. He didn't anticipate a carpenter coming. He thought he was gonna be some big political figure that was gonna rule and reign on this earth. And so David doesn't understand it all. And so what, Dave, what God unfolded this to David, he unfolded it not based upon, that's so important, not based upon David's accomplishments or merits. He unfolded it based upon his own good pleasure to David. This is unmerited favor to, God by, to, to David by God. This is grace. You see that? This is grace. This is similar to justification by faith. You don't earn any of this. So what does David do here? This is important. I'm gonna wrap this up here and we're gonna deal with what, how do we respond? How do we respond to this issue of justification by faith? How do we respond to this truth? Look at what happens in verse, in, in verse starting in verse 18 here. This is David's response. Verses 18 through 22, it says, then King David went and sat before the Lord. Look at me. Kings don't give, sit in front of anybody. That's important for us. King David went and sat before the Lord and he says this. Look at the humility in this. The first response is humility. Look at what David does here. David says, who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet it was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is the instruction for mankind, O Lord God. There's humility in this statement. You see that David asked a rhetorical question here. He asked a rhetorical question and he's saying, what did you see in me, God, that caused you to do this? And the answer is nothing. Only humility. Humility is, the, is, is, is David's response here. You see, David is responding to God's grace and humility. He's responding to God's grace and humility. Do you understand that if you have experienced justification by faith, you have experienced a very particular type of grace, of, of God's grace in your life, and do you realize that God has applied this grace to you through our Lord Jesus Christ, and the only response to it is humility? One of the responses to it. I say all the time, the gospel from top to bottom is nothing but humility. There's no other way. David gives us this in this. 
It's one of the responses here. I, when I wrote this, it reminded me of 1 Corinthians 4, 7, where Paul says, do you ha- what do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast of it like you did not? Why, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? In other words, Paul is saying to them, do you understand that Jesus Christ gave you everything that he's, that he's, gave, he's given you all of your faith? There's, no humi- there's only humility in this. So Grace on the Ashley, what do you have in justification by faith in Christ Jesus that you did not receive? The answer is nothing. Only humility. The second response. Look at David's second response in here. I think this is helpful. This is helpful to me. The second response to justification by faith, I think David gives us a pattern here for it, is adoration. Look at verses 21 through 24 of this Old Testament text here. Hear the repetition in these verses. I'm just gonna give you the repetition in it. So God, David moves from a place of humility to what I believe is adoration here. He says, therefore, he's talking to God here. He says, therefore, you are great, O Lord God. There is none like you. There is no God beside you. And who is like your people, the nation that you basically built and you made a name for yourself. Look at verse, look at the next verse here. End of verse 23, he says, before your people whom you redeemed for yourself. You hear the in this and you establish yourself for your yourself your people Israel to be your people forever and you O Lord God became their God do you hear the adoration in this this is God focused this is God focused in these verses so David takes a pl- the prayer from a place of humility to adoration adoration is this deep love or this deep respect for God what does it mean to, to adore God it means that your hearts are lifted to undescribable love for God for because of what he's done for you This is joy. This is thanksgiving. Justification should lead the believer to adoration. It should deeply impress upon your heart a love for God. As you reflect over this next week, please reflect over this truth over the next week. Your heart should be lifted. It should be lifted towards God. As you reflect on this truth, this mighty truth of justification, it means that God justified you because he's a just God and it should overwhelm your heart. I do a lot of writing on old dead people. I've told you this before, but this old dead guy, he's one of my best friends now because I'm writing a dissertation on him. His name's Isaac Watts. He says this, this is, this is why I write on this man. This, listen to this stuff. I tell people all the time, I'm like, you, you wanna know what it's like to live with these people all day long? I live with the giants. <laughs> Every day I walk in here, I'm like, I'm not worthy to do this. But anyway, it, Isaac Watts, this old dead hymn writer, he says that God in salvation is an immense ocean of glories and wonders where there is nothing in God but what could be marvelous and astonishing to us. And I say to you, justification by faith is an immense ocean of glories and wonders and there is nothing in this doctrine that is not as marvelous and astonishing to me. It should drive you to adoration. It should drive you to adoration. And then look at what David finally does in this passage. He moves from humility to adoration. And I think the final part of this is David's, David's prayer of dependence to God. So what do we, how do we respond to justification by faith, this miracle in our life? We respond in humility, we respond in adoration, and then we respond in dependence. Look at what David does here in verse 20, 25 through the closing of this chapter. He says, now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house and do as you have spoken. He's asking God to do what you said, God. He's leaning on God's promises here. In verse 26, and he says, and your name will be magnified forever, saying the Lord of hosts is God over Israel and the house of your servant David will be established before you. You see the dependence in this? David's not looking at him going, I'm gonna do all this. David is saying, you've promised this. I've gotta lean on your promises. Your unmerited grace to me, it causes dependence in my life. 
Look at verse 28 here. We'll close this out. He says, And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true. That's a theological statement in the promises of God. And you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may, this, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. It's dependence all in these verses when you read it. There's a lot more in there, but dependence is in there. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. You hear the dependence in David's voices there. This dep- you'll see in these verses that David is hearkening on the promises of God. You see that God, David is leaning upon God in the words he's spoken. There's a sense of dependence in this prayer. How does the Christian respond to justification by faith? How do you respond to unmerited favor, to God's grace in your life? You respond, the only way you know how to respond is by dependence. You depend upon the promises of God Almighty. It's not your works that get you there. You're justified by faith. It's grace. It doesn't, look at me, it doesn't matter how far down the road of Christianity you get, you're gonna struggle with dependence upon God. You're gonna struggle with it. You're gonna struggle to depend upon him. We're not bent towards grace. Grace is radical to us in some ways. We wanna earn it. And you can't earn it. It's all grace. It doesn't matter how many times you hear of justification, we will, some of us will still struggle with a works-based righteousness. Grace, (laughs) it's funny how God does this. Grace, it boxes you into dependence. God will box you in because Christ is the only way. So wherever you're at on the spectrum of faith, whether you're wrestling with all of this and you're, you're trying to figure out if God's even done this in my heart, come talk to me. If, you, if you're trying to say, are you been on the other end of it and you, you feel in my heart, I believe that I've been justified for decades on end. Never get beyond how Christ has applied himself to your life through justification. Never forget it. And may we be people that live in humility and adoration and dependence as we give thanks for the immense ocean of glories and wonders in the doctrine of justification by faith. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful that you're kind to us in, in, in multiple ways, not only by this immense doctrine that we stand in receipt of as your children, but by the way you even reveal it to us. We confess that it's a grace to us that we have even had this doctrine revealed to us. And I'm thankful to you that you're a God that is the, is the just one and you justify for us. And that if we, if we confess your name and we confess the name of Jesus Christ, we stand righteous before you because of the righteousness of another in Jesus Christ. So give us humility and adoration and dependence through this week and through the holiday season as we walk through the most beautiful doctrines of your faith, grounded in the doctrine of justification. In Jesus' name, amen.